Glow is an everything photography podcast covering the entire range of photography from chemical, darkroom, and alternative-based processes all the way to modern digital photography and beyond. Be sure to visit us at www.underredglow.com. And now your host, John Milliker Jr. Hello and thank you for joining us for episode 119 of the Under Red Glow podcast. My name is John Milliker. I'm a full-time photographer who practices, teaches, and demonstrates Nearly every photographic process in history, including modern digital gear and techniques. And with me in studio is my co-host and lovely wife, Christine. She practices and demonstrates many processes herself and is our entry-level process and kids class instructor. Welcome, Christine. Good evening. What's going on? It's been a not as loud week. Not as much much going on right now. We should stop. I think for 119 episodes, we've said, like, oh, I think it's a busy week. It's not a busy week. Well, we gotta change it up. I have, have no idea how weekend, to. I think <laughs> no, no upcoming weekends either. <laughs> we'll figure, we'll figure that out. Woo! It has been a, it, it's been a roller coaster of a week for sure. A roller coaster of a week coming up. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna talk a little bit about today. We're gonna talk a little bit about some some new lighting. I think we talked some about it last week. Ooh, but we changed everything up, and uh, and and then we decided to go all in. We'll talk a little bit about the the lighting changes we've made to our uh, not our studio lighting, but more our I guess on location portraiture and uh, and family lighting at least on location our our event lighting. We'll talk a little bit about lighting for anybody who, you know, who kind of, uh, you know, doesn't really have a grasp of what is out there. And then uh, got some interesting news things that I found I thought was kind of interesting. We're going to talk about that and uh, and a lot more after this word from our sponsor. It's interesting, Christine. What's interesting? Facebook or, or Meta. Meta? Meta? Meta. Meta. Whatever Facebook calls itself now, and it's got that weird little infinity thing. You know, what it reminds me of. What? Remember when Prince became a symbol? Vaguely, yeah. At least Prince did not go bankrupt, which is uh, what Facebook seems to be going. I'm reading an article here that says Facebook's Meta, uh, or is it Reality? La- I don't know what all this stuff is. Zuckerberg has continued to pump money into Reality Labs, the company's metaverse division, even though it has made a $3.7 billion B with a B B B B. Actually, I guess I say billion with a B B B B over the last three months and no end to losses in sight. Uh, I heard that that Meta, I think, I think a week ago today, Facebook announced like 10,000 jobs were going to get axed at Meta. I just, at what point, at what point do you say, okay, well, we're a company that people loathe. People just hate the fact that they have to use Facebook. And, uh, you know, off the, off the record, uh, if I, if I didn't, you know, if, if people, if certain people and the demographic of the people that I 
want to reach if they didn't believe that if you don't exist on Facebook, then you don't exist, I wouldn't be on Facebook. I mean, maybe I'd have an account. Maybe I would, you know, because there's a lot of groups out there on Facebook that are still kind of interesting. You get to see people, you know, doing some new stuff with photography, with darkroom, with drone, with, with everything. And I'm sure other people's interests as well, like underwater basket weaving. But the thing is, is, I, I I wouldn't be even close to the amount of time I spend on Facebook. And, and that's that's still really low. You know, I, I look at, I only follow a couple key people, key friends and family that, that I that I even partially care about what what they're doing. Not that I don't care about what people are doing, but you know, we're talking Facebook here. And then I get off. I get off of Facebook. Done. I, I can't imagine. I, I just don't understand how people just get completely sucked into, completely zucked in. See what I did there? Completely zucked into using Facebook and Instagram and all that other stuff to the point where, and I know that's what they do. You know, they've, they've even, I've, I don't know if they've published papers, but people publish papers that, Facebook, uh, it targets some kind of a, a thing in your brain where you get rewarded for the more things you do, and, and they've they've put that into there where you're using Facebook, you're using Instagram, and and you're you're it's like a, a cross between I'm I'm a I'm I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on something that somebody did or said or or what or ate, and and it just kind of it it just kind of keeps tickling that part of your brain that 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 makes you happy because you're addicted to something. It's just the craziest thing. Anyway, let's get, what point am I making? Well, we, we, we live stream on Facebook for a, for a local organization that local organization here. And I think, I don't think we had a problem tonight. But last week we had definitely had a problem where I mean just stuff was just not working. It would work, it would not work. People kept losing the thread and had to keep refreshing just to get back on it. Yeah, so it was so uh, it makes me wonder, you know, did we I doubt we got rid of any Facebook people that that handle server side issues. I'm sure we probably got rid of meta people, but you see it with Twitter. You know, if somebody doesn't like the thing, it's it's almost like a sit down strike, and it makes you think. You know, did is is Facebook? Are Facebook engineers? Are they you know letting stuff kind of go, you know, go off the rails because, you know, Meta and Facebook. You know, you know what what are you gonna do? Are you gonna you gonna you know try to save yourself by getting rid of some non essential employees? You know, it sucks. It's it sucks for anybody to lose their job. But do you do that or do you or you know, it's it's just the it's just so weird. It is so mind numbingly crazy that you know, all the Twitter news lately and the Facebook news now. Well, something new came out and, and this was reported on a peta petapixel that meta workers uh, two, about two dozen alleged uh, employees, more that more than two dozen employees and contractors over the last year 
has been fired or disciplined over allegedly hijacking accounts and in some cases demanding bribes from those accounts. I have nothing to say about that. I think it sucks. Yeah, that's that's not good. I don't know how they could let their employees even start to get away with that. Well, you think about Facebook. You think about Instagram. You think about Amazon. At least Amazon, you can get somebody that, you know, it's it's so mind-numbingly, oh, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, look, it's okay. Just just take care of it, and, and we'll, we're fine. And and even even Amazon's getting bad. I've caught an Amazon in, uh, in two lies now. And, um, and, and their employees are, are given a script to, to basically delay you. They don't want to do anything. They want you to just wait and contact them again. Um, the second, uh, the second, the, the first time I had a package delivered and it, it was not here. You know, I messaged, uh, I messaged Amazon. You can't get a hold of somebody when it's just a package it hasn't delivered yet. But I messaged Amazon, and their, and their automated thing says, "Oh, our bad. We just realized we didn't deliver it today. It's supposed to deliver tomorrow." And it was the weirdest thing because even though they found that, they didn't change my delivery date. So what happened was, I checked and I checked and I checked. And I kept getting the same thing. It was it was the weirdest thing where it was like a I was triggering something in the in that automated chat garbage. And if you haven't waited 24 hours for that package to appear, I guess they can't tell you wait 24 hours, which I was fine with. You want me to wait 24 hours? I will wait 24 hours. But they started going into a lie saying, oh, wait a minute, your package didn't get delivered today. We're silly. Well, what happened was my package was delivered to the neighbor by accident on the day. So it was kind of funny because the next morning, the neighbor came over and, and said, hey, I got a, I got this package for you. I'm really sorry. You know, we, we couldn't, you know, we brought the packages in last night. We didn't, you know, we didn't go through them or nothing, but I realized this morning that we had your package. So I, I had the package in my hand. And I, I go back on the Amazon thing and say, oh, where's my package? I can't find it. Oh, we're sorry. You know, our systems show that, you know, it has, it really hasn't been delivered since every, even though everything else. And it's like, you suck. You guys suck. Well, the second thing was had these exclusive prime deal things. And last week I bought a, a Godox V1N flash and it's, it's nothing, it's nothing different than the speed light flashes that we've been using for the longest time. But instead of using double a batteries, double A's, it had a built-in rechargeable battery that recharged via USB-C. So yes, slow, but it had, a, it had the power for about 480 flashes. Yeah. And I think that was like full power, whatever it was. Well, the thing was, is I went online because I was thinking, huh, maybe I should get another one. You know, I, I wanted to get Christine outfitted with one. And then, uh, so I'm thinking like, let me get another one. And I got a exclusive prime deal on one of these flashes at like $70 off exclusive prime deal. And I even sent it to Christine. I said, look, you buy one, I'll buy one. And 
you know. So I go one layer and, and I'm clicking the button. It goes to my cart at the full price. Okay, delete that. Try it again. Goes to my cart. Delete that to every... And, and of course, Amazon's first thing is, well, if things change price in your cart, that's not our deal. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that things change prices all the time. But when I see a price for X and I put it in my cart and it's Y, and then I go back to the page and it's X, Y, I took a screenshot and I contacted Amazon and it was the skeeviest, weirdest thing. I contact them. And I said, look, it says this price on the website. It says this price in my cart. What's going on? And it was like it was like bent over backwards, like to to a creepy level, the way this this uh, uh, this customer support person was was just treating this. Oh well, we're gonna give this to you. Uh, we're gonna do this. Just buy it, and when you get it, contact us again for your for your refund for your your rebate. And I'm like, well, why can't you just adjust it in my cart now? Well, we can't do that. You have to buy it and get it. And it, it really, it really rubbed me the wrong way because every other time I deal with customer service, I get a thing, I get like my transcript of the chat and I get a thing like rating the, the, the customer support person. Well, I didn't get either of those. Now, of course I'm a, I'm a screenshot guy. So I did a, I did a full copy of the conversation. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're going to take care of it. Okay. Well, can you give me a case number? Oh, I can't do that. Like, hmm, that was weird. So I, I did a I did a, a text grab of the chat, and then I then opened up another support ticket, and I said, "Yeah, I need a I need a copy of the transcript." Oh, we can't do that. Why why can't you do that? I get that every other time. Oh, sorry. And the guy was the guy's response wasn't like, "Here's here's our policy." It was like, "Sorry," and I'm like, "This is silly. Can you tell me how to find my transcripts?" Sorry. It's like, wow. So you know what? I canceled everything. I canceled everything. And uh, we went to, instead of the Godox, I, I actually was doing some research. Godox and Flashpoint. Did we talk about this last week? Godox and Flashpoint are pretty much the exact same thing. Uh, same factory. Flashpoint is supported by Am uh, Adorama. Godox is some Chinese company. Good luck. I've heard a lot of people complain about that. And, uh, and we just, we just buy, sorry. Um, and, and like I said, we'll talk a little bit about, about these flashes pretty soon, but that, that really, that's number two. It's number two for Amazon. So I'm sorry for the, the long rant about that, but, uh, I, I just, I just can't believe how fast Amazon is now circling the, the drain as well as is Facebook and Instagram. I hate to say that they're all alike, but they are very similar to each other. Look, they're out there to make money. You're out there to make money. You are a corporation. Your job is to make money. Your job is not to sit there and 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 pat me on the back and say, it's okay, John. Everything's going to be fine. I'm really sorry that you had to take 30 seconds out of your day and open up a chat window. Man, that has to be really terrible. I am so sorry. Dude. <laughs> Reel it back a little bit. Just just listen to what I have to say, and, and I'm sure it'll be taken care of. I've never had problems before, but twice in a row, I've I've had problems with that. So you know what? It really sucks because um, I I think they're I they're they're losing their way of being customer service related. We uh, Christine and I have a very good friend that 
actually got a job at an Amazon warehouse. And, and, you know, this is that friends, that friend said that, you know, pretty much the, the rumors you hear of how they treat employees in warehouses is, is, as far as he was concerned, true. And, you know, it really, it really pushes you back. It really pushes you back from doing stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I uh, I, I see a lot less uh, a lot less Amazon in our future, and uh, I hope to see a lot less Facebook in our future. I've stopped using Instagram completely. Um, I don't know what the new thing is. What's the new thing? Are are people going back to Twitter? I hate Twitter. I I mean I I was there when it when it was when it was new. I I was there when it started. And it's just, I just think it's a god-awful platform. At least it's not for me. If it's for you, great, but not for me whatsoever. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, next thing is uh, Kanika Minolta. They, it's been 17 years since Kanika Minolta sold a camera, and their last service center was finally closed. That's sad. It is sad. Um one of my, I think one of my first film cam, not, well, it wasn't my first, one of my first higher end SLR film cameras was a Minolta. And I remember selling it for the Canon. This was actually before I started going with Canon, but I sold this Minolta, nice, a nice kit for a Canon. I, I can't remember what the name, what the, the body, uh, the model number was, but I sold that for a Canon film camera. I ditched Minolta for Canon, and uh, but you know what? I mean, Minolta was it was amateur stuff, but it was totally totally fine. I mean, you 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 make you know you make what you've got work for you. And uh, and I at the time I I didn't like the fact that you know the the big names were Canon and Nikon, and here I am with a Minolta. And I, I went, I, I had, I had the, the, the gear acquisition syndrome. <laughs> I wanted to be one of the, I wanted to be one of the cool kids and have a Canon or a Nikon and the Minolta worked just fine. I don't think it would have had, I don't think it would have held up to, to the abuse and the, just the raw shutter counts that, that the Canon film cameras did when I, when I was back then. But, um. Yeah, so you know it is sad. It is sad to see uh, that because, as I said, that was a, a perfectly usable film camera, and and I and I sold it. I hope that it had a nice long life with uh, whoever I sold it to. I can't remember, but um, yeah, nice Con Con uh, Konica Minolta film camera. I can't remember what the what the model number of that was either. But yeah, and, and that's that's kind of proves that. Man, 17 years after uh, the last camera was sold. Now, now I'm, I'm sure this service center probably, <laughs> I mean, when I was in IT, I mean, we were like one of the last service centers for Commodore in the country. And it, it wasn't, you know, it, it's, it's, interesting, it's interesting to think of, you know, maybe Minolta. Minolta probably wasn't even selling parts up until recently. And you're and you're having to, to 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 get parts cameras, and you having to buy, you know, you buy a camera that's that's broken, and and Frankenstein the parts, or just make things happen. But 
yeah, I just thought that was a kind of an interesting piece of uh, tidbit there. Uh, Petapixel also has an article on rangefinder cameras, which I think is kind of cool. If you've never worked with a rangefinder camera, basically it is a uh, it's it's a way to focus. You've got a viewfinder that has um, basically two viewfinders, and it has a mirror in there somewhere, and it's it's uh, it's separated by by a, a a calculated amount in the camera. And that way, when you are looking through your viewfinder, you see uh, you see the image, but then there's usually a circle or a square inside the image that you use that to line up with your with your subject. Let's say if you're taking a photo of a person, you put the person in there, and you you and you go back and forth, and you make the nose straight on their face, basically. Um, but they they have a, a a pretty interesting article. If you've never worked with a rangefinder camera, I definitely recommend that. And the last thing was, I think this was on uh, DP Review, uh, Lexar has a new CF Express card. It's supposed to be the world's fastest CF Express card. Christine and I used to be Lexar fanatics. Um, we hated, and, and, and I say hated, be, you know, we, we actually had a lot of problems with SanDisk when we first started out. Yeah, we had a lot of error cards and such. Yeah, I had a lot of cards that just, <laughs> nope, sorry, corrupted, and uh, and and yeah, I mean, Lexar was our was our thing for the longest time, and then and then they kind of went out of business, and then they came back, but the, you know, I talked to one of the Lexar reps, and he said, oh well, well we're back now, and instead of having another factory make CF, you know, make these cards for us. And then we just, you know, we just have strict quality and 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 QA quality assurance checkpoints. We're making our own cards, and and this was when Christine and I had had just dumped everything Canon for for the whole Nikon system. Um, you know, we could have bought, we could have been on the ground floor of the Lexar CF Express cards, but. <sighs> We decided not to. We went with, um, I think we went with Sony. We went with Sony CF Express cards. Is that what we have in there now? No, we don't have the CF Express. We have, oh, what are the cards that the D850 has? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. D850 memory card. What is it? Execute now? It ain't XQA. I can't remember. XQD, that's what it is. XQD cards. We could have gotten XQD cards from Lexar, but the problem was it was, it was too far, it was too far, and 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 I didn't want to go with a company that was just starting its manufacturing up again. Not that I don't think Lexar would have would have stood, you know, would have backed up all of their products. But the problem is, is I'm, you know, we're working professionals. I can't, I, I can't afford to. I can't afford to to, to beta test, uh, but it's it's really nice to see Lexar continuing to make stuff, and I'm sure by now Lexar has has you know gotten their uh, gotten their their customer confidence back. Let us know if you if you use Lexar cards. Uh, we may have to go back over to them. It's been a while. It has it's been, been a while, a while since we've used now. Now what do we use now? We use a lot of SanDisk stuff. SanDisk. 
um, micro SD, SD. I think that's it. Yeah, micro SD for the uh, for the the 360s, the drones, the GoPros, for for the audio recorders, for the HDMI recorder thing here. I got on the, the desk here. Um, and and I will say that SanDisk has gotten a lot better. The, the only problem is, is you need to make sure you get it from a reputable source because apparently counterfeiting of these cards is just rampant, absolutely rampant. And that kind of sucks too. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, we talked about the the Godox and the Flashpoint, and I, I th- I'm pretty sure I talked the difference between Flashpoint and Godox last week, but basically... The the Godox is a is a Chinese company. The Flashpoint is also manufactured in the same warehouse there, but Adorama kind of kind of goes and and checks out and and helps out with with the Flashpoint stuff and and makes sure you're happy. So you've got a you've got a a somebody in the United States that's willing to help you. I I purchased Godox stuff to um, to to just test it. I bought the Godox. V1N, the N was the specification for Nikon. Of course, there's a V1C for Canon, V1S for Sony, and probably a couple more. I was interested in the high-speed sync. You know, when when we're talking about uh, when we're talking about typical flashes and the the typical studio work that we do, um, you have a shutter speed that that basically a, a assures that the entire shutter is open at one time when you when you have the flash uh, if you've ever shot a um, a flash whether it be an on-camera flash or maybe a studio flash and you had like a like a dark line at the bottom that was because you were you were exceeding the speed and typically typically we always set this to 1 125th of a second that is as I said that is basically the um, the point at which your uh, your your shutter is is all the way open, therefore you can expose the scene equally. Um, we're not big TTL people, and and let's talk about let's talk about lighting, and then we'll and then we'll we'll progress a little bit more. Um, you know, when you first start off with photography, and and believe me, I did the exact same thing. You know, you start off with what you what you got. And you know some people may go and they may use a, they may use a a lamp. I've seen people take lamps and take the shade off a lamp and and use the light in there and and have fun. I've, you know, we've had a lot of people speak at the at the local camera club. You know, oh, I just got this flashlight from Home Depot or Walmart or whatever, and and I'm you know I'm shooting all kind of funny, fun lighting stuff. And there's no shame in that. Uh, when I started, I got the halogen lights from uh, from the big box home improvement store. Not only did I get the halogen lights, but I also got those, you know, those clip, those, those like metal scoop lights that that clip. Yeah, I think so. I man, I I loved those. So I would have some of those scoop lights that would clip, and uh, my first studio lights were halogen. Those got hot. Those got hot, especially because I was using halogen shop lights and I took the little cage. I had this little metal cage on the front that you could probably, after after 30 seconds of having that thing on, you could put a stake on that and make grill marks. 
I took that, you know, I took that off of there because I didn't want anything casting a shadow. But that was that was that was my first studio lighting was the was the halogens. Okay. And uh, and the problem with that is they get super hot as Christine said. I mean, they hotter than the sun seems like. And it's very very dangerous especially as you start working with families that may have, you know, may have children. But, you know, the thing is is it's it is what it is. It's a it's a hot light. And and a hot light basically means it's on it's on all the time. What's the good thing about a hot light? A good thing about a hot light is you can see the lighting that you're sculpting on somebody's face. When we talk about sculpting lighting, you've got di- you've got different things, and and you can go out and research these on your own because you know podcast I can't I can't show you, but you've got different kind of lightings. You got butterfly lighting, loop lighting, and Rembrandt lighting, and uh, you know it really makes it easy with a hot light because. It's like WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. If I have lighting falling on your face and I've got a Rembrandt light and I'm photographing you, then it's nothing's going to change. Right. You can move on to that. Halogen, you know, LED lighting has gotten amazing. And and within the, within the last few years, Christine has gotten some LED um, kind of strip lights. What are they, like three foot, four foot? LED panels that are just like two inches wide. And uh, it's just unreal. Back then, man, we had fluorescence and you had to worry about the damn fluorescence because the fluorescence had a color cast and that color cast changed depending on how warm that light was. So therefore, when we moved to fluorescent and when we were shooting in color, let's say color film, I had to turn those stupid things on and let them warm up. I would put them on about an hour ahead of time. And then I had to worry about how many hours they were working because as they got older, the color could shift there as well. Fluorescence sucked. Incandescents, on the other hand, were a little bit better. They didn't have really that warm-up period. But you know what? Uh, because of what, whatever president was doing that, we've, we've kind of run out of a lot of an incandescent lights that, that we've been using, uh, especially, except for some of the specialty stuff. Right. Beyond that, we, we started going into LED panels. And in fact, for a lot of our, our studio wet plate work, we started getting into um, the first. The first we got a, uh, I can't remember what the panel name was called, but it was a panel of 16 screw-in sockets. You know, your regular lighting socket that you, you screw any light into. But it had 16 of these. We got some of the, we got the, the, the most powerful CFL bulbs. And instead of fluorescent, these are, are compact fluorescent, but the same, you know, basically the same thing. But we got 16 of these CFL bulbs, fragile as all hell, completely, completely terribly fragile. Yeah. But we were shooting wet plate. It didn't really matter if we had some daylight and some cool white bulbs in it. It didn't really matter the color temperature. But if you're out there shooting color, whether it's with a digital camera or whether it's with a, uh, a film camera, then then yeah, you got to worry about that. Same thing with the old man, the old long fluorescent tubes. Oh, and and that's a, another story for that. Is if you're you know with your with a lot of your lighting stuff, you have theatrical gels, and 
you you may have a flash that's daylight balanced and you're you're working with in a in an office environment where they have CFL bulbs or you're working in a home that's got warm white incandescence and and the problem is is again with with color not with black and white you've got to balance all that stuff out and that's why gels exist you've got the uh you got the fluorescent gels i can't remember the official name of the the, the, the green gels, you've got the, the CTO gels. I worked with, with CTO, you know, most, mostly you work with CTO and that stands for color, uh, color temperature orange. And they come in different, they come in different, um, strengths basically. So you can put them on top of your flash on top of your lighting and you can balance for any other lighting. Ideally, if you're photographing in an office environment, you're photographing in a home and you can turn the lights off and entirely produce your own lighting, man, you are, you are golden. Yeah. Moving on, moving away from hot lights, you've got studio lights and studio lights are, you know, basically momentary hot lights. Uh, you know, as soon as you, you click the button, the, the studio strobe flashes and then you adjust the, the power of the strobe up or down. Our, our white lightnings are, are the same way. Alien bees are the same way. A lot of lights out there are the same. Our speedotrons are the same way. But then you may sit there and think, okay, well, I'm not going to see what the light looks like until after I get my film back or after I look at the, the photo on my display. And that's correct. But that's why a lot of studio strobes have a modeling lamp, which is basically a a nowhere near as powerful incandescent or, you know, with, with these Flashpoint and Godoxes, LED. But it's nothing more than a, a strobe with some kind of a very, uh, very tame lighting that works kind of like a hot light, a modeling lamp, because you are going to have some kind of a light source that you can see, how am I moving this light? How are the shadows working on my subject's faces? Perfect. Awesome. Completely awesome. And, uh, and, and that's how we, you know, we kind of got around that. Uh, moving back from there, especially, you know, going back to the hot lights a little bit, the way you would meter that, ideally you could... You know, with digital, you can shoot and, and adjust. Right. But with film, you really needed to figure it out. And uh, that's where light meters would come into play. And not only are light meters awesome for outdoor, um, they're also awesome for studio as well. And, uh, you know, depending on how fast you're, you know, depending on how knew your light meter was speaking of light meters our our big light meter is a minolta i think it's a con no it's a conic i'm sorry never mind delete that editing john <laughs> i know i won't um but our saconic digital meter you know not only does in you know not only does uh, uh incident light reflected light which is it's it's the difference between uh, let's let's get in that real quick Incident light is you put the light meter where your subject is. Reflected light is what your camera meter, the built-in meter for your camera is. It is, it, is, it is set up to take the light that is reflected from your subject and, and meter 
meter it that way. The the fast the the newer digital uh, or I should, should say electronic light meters, they they not only will do the you know your your hot lighting, the sun or or a hot light in studio, but it will also detect a flash, and and you could take a flash that is a fraction, a very small fraction of a second, and make a make a meter reading from that. Yeah. No big deal, simple. Our Sekonic has the the pocket wizard built into it, no problem whatsoever. Um, trying to make sure we we cover everything. But uh, you know, starting off with with hot lights, you didn't need to worry about triggering anything. You didn't need to worry about setting anything up, any cables, any wires. Well, you know, studio strobes they started off. You know, you started off with wires. And uh, I think the the original was a p uh, what they they called a PC cord. It almost looked like a plug that you plug into a into an an AC outlet. Uh, definitely a bad thing, but it would typically sync up things. Um, and then you then you go on to different kind of cables, different kind of of connections. Pocket Wizard was the big thing for the longest time. We have so many Pocket Wizards. And Pocket Wizard is exactly what it needs to be. It is a radio trigger. It gets the job done. It gets the job done. We put a Pocket Wizard on each one of our white lightnings. We put a Pocket Wizard on top of the camera. And 99.99 times out of a, out of 100, oh, you don't need high-speed sync. Set it to 125th of a second. Set up your your aperture, set up your ISO, which you need to be, and if it's if it's if it's too dim, crank your lighting up, make it happen. Um, and then you had a lot of companies that were kind of copying the Pocket Wizard. I think Cowboy Studio was one. You've also got the um, you also have uh, slave and and sl- op- what are called really shouldn't use slave and master anymore because, uh, you know, we used to use those terms with hard drives and bedrooms and flashes. We would call a flash a, a master or a slave, but that only meant that the master created the light, the slave detected the light. And it was just to say one up, down, but now we, you know, we call them optical triggers. And that is the fact that I can shoot a I can have a, a flash on my camera at a very low um, lighting, and I can use that to op- optically trigger, you know, off-camera flashes or studio strobes that are that are there and ready to go. Right. Um, next, next is, and that's what all studio strobes are. Is, you know, you you set the you set the the power, you set the value, and and you trigger it, and then you walk your you walk around each strobe and say, okay, well, I want this one to have more power. I want that one to have more power. That's how it used to be. And it really pretty much is. When you're working with high, high, high-end studio strobes, it's kind of how it still is. I know there are strobes out there that do it, but the but the, but the the old hats that's, that have studio setups, this is what they like, and this is repeatable. I know it's going to be the same every single time. But this is not TTL. What is TTL metering? TTL metering is basically 
the the flash will send out a, a pulse. The camera will read it. They will talk really quickly, and the flash will vary its output up or down depending on the subject. I'm not a TTL for, fan. Don't like it at all. I would rather set a manual power to my flash and know I'm going to get the exact same power every time because what if I'm photographing someone and and I'm metering off the wrong thing. I'm Instead of metering off their face, I meter off of a black jacket instead. Maybe I have people with different skin tones. You know, it's I'm, I know a lot of people just love TTL and Canon, I think, is ITTL. Canon was ETTL. I think Nikon is ITTL. It's all the same stuff. You're basically telling the flash, hey, you and the camera, you you, you pair up, you join up, Talk to each other and you give me the amount of flash that you think I need. I would rather, I would rather set manual flash and just stay the, the same amount of distance from my subject. In fact, I think a lot of people are still like this because this Godox and Flashpoint flash has a special thing. I don't have the manual with me right now, but I think it's called TCM. Yeah. I think it's TCM, but it's basically, it says, I'm going to shoot a, a, a TTL photo. And if I click this button, I want you to take the flash out of TTL and, and set the manual mode to exactly that. So I'm thinking a lot of people are tired of TTL. Maybe not. I don't know. I, I just talked to a lot of people that are, you know, uh, better amateurs up to professional and i just don't i just don't talk to anybody that likes ttl and, and relies on ttl you, you can never know exactly what's going on sometimes i get a little confused with the ttl maybe because i haven't shot it with it as much well that's because you know we just got these flashes in and and yeah we had the speed lights that shot ttl but i think i i threatened to cut christine's finger off fingers off if she ever used TTL but we've been playing we've been playing with this go the, with the the flashpoint godox whatever it is and it's the same thing it's uh, now I'm not the kind of person that says if you're a professional you're shooting in manual all the time no not at all you know you need to understand that the camera sucks the brains in the camera are nowhere near the brains of of you well most of us <laughs> Sorry, Christine. Hey, be nice. You need to understand that the camera specifically is looking for for whatever. And it's still, the camera is smart, but our, our interface with the camera, sometimes we know, we know make smart thinking. Boy, that sounded great. Sometimes <laughs> we know make smart camera decisions because we may not point it at the same subject at the same skin tone at the same 18% gray and that's that is what it is always use you know if you can you know studio we use manual when we're when we're shooting in uh, when we're working with artificial light we shoot manual but some people say oh you should always shoot manual no if you're at a location where you can shoot aperture priority shoot aperture priority if you're shooting something you want to shoot shutter priority shoot shutter priority just don't shoot P, P for professional, which is the full auto. The camera does everything for you. Um, but that's that's 
become a problem. And here we are with TTL. And uh, and even, even with the latest stuff, we're not fans of TTL. We're still going to mess with it. But no, TTL, we, we don't like whatsoever. Uh, there is high-speed sync. And as far as I can tell, man... I, I loaded that flash up on the Nikon and I, I shot a one eight thousandth of a second flash. And I tell you what, it's there. It is absolutely there. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how the high speed sync worked. Now, am I going to shoot anything in, in those settings? No. And I probably will still go through my, my old training. I mean, we're talking, we're talking almost 40 years of, of your uh, your flash sync speed, which for different shutters throughout my lifetime have have been even even slower than 125th of a second, but 125th of a second is going to get you get you where you need to be the, the the majority of the time. After all, flashes themselves, the duration of a flash is much faster. Uh, at some point, I think I read 120,000th of a second for for most speed light strobes. I don't know if that's true, and and depending on if you're if you're dumping the entire capacitor versus a little bit of capacitor that goes up or down, I don't know. That's all I learned with playing around with the the water drop stuff, especially when you know Christine wanted to to play with it. Everybody everybody plays with the water drop stuff. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I'm I'm really happy about that. What are the other kind of flashes out there, Christine? Um. I don't know. Um, How about flash bulbs? Oh, yeah, that takes you back. How about flash powder? That takes we, you way back. Which we still, we haven't since the thing, but we used to, we used to mix flash powder from, you know, the, the metal, I'm not going to say it, the metal powder and the oxidizer that we would mix together and we would make flash powder and we would set the flash powder off at, at events to kind of bring people over and get people's attention. I was going to say it's the best, real good way to get people to come over. Oh, yeah. Big poo. Absolutely. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And I, I miss that. But you, you've got all kinds of different. You have a lot of people that would use magnesium sheets, magnesium wire. And, uh, you know, we have, there's a whole story on, <laughs> there's a whole story on people uh, learning to shoot with magnesium it's kind of kind of cool but that that's of course another option uh what about what about natural light christine well there's always the sun and yeah natural light is one of the most commonly used light sources when when we when we teach a photography class it has a a lighting aspect and and every every photography class has a lighting aspect but sometimes we get further into it and it, we're all experts in light we can see, we can, you know, without even looking at the sun in the sky, you can tell me, is it cloudy or is it sunny? And you can tell me because do you have a shadow or not? If I, if I make you look down at the, at the ground and, and I say, okay, well, where's the sun? Well, it's the opposite of your shadow, right? Right. How come a shadow is so defined? How come there, uh, the sun's shadows are so darn harsh? Because compared to the light source, I mean, it's the size of the light compared to what your it. But the sun picture. is bajillions of miles wide. But comparatively speaking, in our sky, it's a small little. Exactly. Ball. Exactly. 
Um, everybody is an expert at lighting. When we talk about sunlight as a uh, as a a light, and and don't don't be one of these photographers that oh I'm a natural light photographer because most people. Most people now realize when somebody says, I am a natural light photographer, that means they don't know how to light artificially. Make sure you can, you can light artificially. But the thing is, is you need to know when to use it. Kind of like HDR. Know when to use it. Know when not to use it. You know, always have the ability to, to use sunlight and to use, um, you know, uh, light modifiers like scrims or reflectors. But, uh, Sometimes it just, if you can pop a little bit extra light, don't, you know, don't, don't shortchange yourself and not learn photographic lighting because you, you, you know, you, you find uh, comfort in saying, oh, well, I am a natural light photographer. No, learn, learn everything. Get yourself a cheap little flashy. Like I said, even if you can pop a little bit of light into, into a, a shadowed face, Gonna make you're gonna make things look a lot better, especially uh, you know reflectors as well. Yeah. So getting back on to these these flash points, and I'm not even gonna say. Maybe I should say still say Godox. Godox flash points. The flash points. Um, Adorama has a Black Friday sale, and for like ten dollars more than the the flash point Evolve Evo. 200 pro uh, you get like you get a $20 you know the $20 clamp that that converts that flash to a uh, to a light stand you get a soft box you get a carrying case you get some other some other stuff as well but it was $319 I think well we we pulled the trigger on two of those and uh we're really liking it. We're really liking these these new kind of flashes. We like the fact that that you know we don't have to worry about loading these things up with double A's. I love the fact that the the 200 Pro has two flash heads. One is a bare bulb and one is a a standard flash. I love the bare bulb because I do a lot of real estate stuff, and um, yeah, I, I I shoot what's called a a I, I hate the name flambient. But flambient is a real estate photography term for I'm shooting an ambient shot, but then I'm shooting a flash shot. Flash plus ambient is flambient. Terrible. <laughs> I'd rather have am, ambalash. Ambalash? Ambi, ambi, Do we have ambi. to mix the words to begin well, exactly. with? Exactly. Can't you just come up with a term that means the same thing? But What was one of the, what was one of the, oh gosh, I can't remember. You know, when, when. Um, actors and actresses get together. They always like mash up a name. Oh yeah, that's terrible. I'm th I'm I'm really I'm actually proud of myself. That I don't know any of those names, but um, yeah, like like Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt got together, so we're gonna call it a a Braniston. You know, it's it's no, no. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's a that's that's what I'm really. Uh, you know, I'm really interested in trying this. And the good thing about these, these, the, the Godox and the Flash and the the Flashpoint. By the way, we are not sponsored by either company, unless they really want to. Um, and and all the the lights that we've gotten so far, we've we've paid for them out of our own pocket. They the the hot shoe flashes 
you can shoot. Uh, they they actually have the transmitter built in. You can transmit to other flashes and make them go off. But I'm not a fan of one camera flash unless I'm shooting an event. And you know, I'm I'm walking around the event. I can't set a couple flashes up in the in the area. Whatever, I'm okay with that. But um we bought the the transmitter thing that goes on top of the camera and you can set all these groups and from the back of the camera I can set I can turn on the modeling lights I can turn them off which are which by the way in the the V1N equivalent is just a little LED light that's kind of terrible but it is what it is I don't know if the 200 has a modeling light or not but the fact that I can I can be across the room and I can click on this this LCD display on the top of the camera, and I can set the power. I can put it in TTL mode if I'm you know feeling kind of feeling kind of crazy. I can set multi multi up. I can set high speed sync. Uh, we're really it's kind of a big change. It's a big change. And as I said, we're we're not we're never going to get rid of the studio strobes. We're never going to get rid of the Speedatrons, especially because of what, for, for wet plate, we need the power of the Speedatron, and these are not it. Maybe by pop 480, draining the battery, maybe you'll get like a little bit of a tonality on a wet plate, but we're looking forward to it. We're, we're kind of, we're kind of excited. It kind of, it's kind of like how, how I felt when I, I first got into the pocket wizards. How's that? You felt, I mean, you just felt unstoppable. It's like, wait, what? This thing plugs in here. That thing plugs in there. It's got a little rubber ducky antenna. It's going to talk to each other. What? <laughs> pretty cool. Definitely pretty cool. And uh, and it does nothing different. Here's the thing. It does nothing different. When, when Christine was learning light, we set up a bunch of studio shoots where you know, we put a bunch of different lights and gels and we did all kinds of stuff and you had to get up off your butt and change the power if you wanted to. With these, all it is, you've got it. You've got it right there at your fingertips. Yeah. Click on the group, pop it up or pop it down. Super simple. Yeah. I haven't used mine too much yet, but I look forward to exp experimenting with it. Yeah. And uh, and these, like I said, these two hundred pros, they're they're a little bit more powerful than the than the 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 V ones or or whatever. The, I think the Flashpoint's got a terrible name. It's not as terrible as the Insta three sixty RS one inch three sixty camera, but it's pretty terrible. Well, we'll get it figured out. Yeah, what is it? It's the Flashpoint. Flashpoint. Uh, lipo, L I P O. I'm trying to find it because it's terrible. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. Oh, I can't find it. Zoom lie, L I O N, lithium ion R2. That isn't even it because because the one I was I was playing with is uh the ones the ones we have are the the circular heads, not the the square heads, which are kind of a pain in the butt but i do like the fact that the catch lights are circular that makes me happy but yeah still pretty terrible did we talk about pretty much all lighting and modifiers i mean you've got you've got a bunch of modifiers you've got um shoot through and bounce umbrellas you've got soft boxes 
gobos, barn doors. We talked about gels, grids, snoots. If you guys, if you guys want to want a discussion on uh, you know all those modifiers, let us know. We could we could talk about it. it doesn't uh, take that long though. <laughs> I don't have anything for that. Well, how about that? <laughs> so I think uh, I'm not sure. I think that's about. I think that's about it on that. Yeah. So yeah, lighting. You know, it's whether you're using you know the highest end studio strobes or you're using flashlights. It's just it's just a lot of fun. It's absolutely a lot of fun. It's not difficult to learn. Just go out there and ex experiment. Don't be one of those I only shoot natural light photographers. Um, and if you are a I only shoot natural light photographer, and it's not because you don't know how to shoot flash, let me know what your thinking is on that. It's it's all tools in your toolbox, and right. being able to to get to an, a, a location, and you've got you've got a little spare light here and there. Um, we we just photographed a we we did we did uh, we did photograph a shoot on uh, uh, earlier this week. And it was a uh, it was a, a Christmas card. It was a Christmas card shoot. Man, we had one had one flash out in front, one flash for rim light. Oh, it was perfect. And I'm I feel like a kid in a candy store again, playing with light, because that's how I got good at lighting, just just playing with stuff. And and if you one of the big things is if you get let's say you go out and get ten flashes, don't just set up all ten flashes, set up one. Make sure you know what each flash is doing. Don't just put a bunch in there. Add one, and then add another one, and then add another one, and then add a reflector or a, or a scrim or this or that. Add a bunch of stuff, but but be smart about it. Know why you're adding the light. And once you learn how, okay, well, I need some light there. Here's how I'm going to do it. Once you can do that, man, you are unstoppable as far as, as portraiture is concerned. But I don't know. I guess that's it. You have to understand light to take good product photos. And I mean, pretty much anything, you need to have an idea of what your light is doing for your photo. Oh, absolutely. And it's it really plays a part in how good your photography can be. When you can properly light something or someone, uh, you know, it becomes just like you have a depth of field with your, your lenses. You can, you can achieve a subject separation with lighting or you can make things much more interesting with lighting um, or the absence of light uh, whenever we're photographing something that has glassware or glass in it uh, i remember a couple months ago we did a a wine bottle uh product shot and the big thing there was the of uh, the absence of light and around the outside of the bottle we used black scrim that basically the bottle reflected the black instead of reflecting white. And it gave us a separation there. You know, you've, you've got the, the addition of light and the subtraction of light as well. And the subtraction of light is just, it's not only no light. It is the fact that, you know, maybe you're using a black scrim board right in front of a, a person that, that would actually get like ambient light in there. It, it's definitely a, it's definitely a difference. It is absolutely a difference. And there is a difference in not lighting versus the subtraction of light with a, with a black, 
a black board or a black scrim, uh, you know, something like that. Really interesting. Really, really interesting, Christine. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about? Um, what do you guys think about that? Have you have you ever worked with studio stuff? Are you a natural light photographer, and you wanna you wanna kind of square off in the in the comments and tell me what you what you know why maybe you you go with that, and uh, are you are you a grizzled old lighting uh, expert from from way back, and what do you think about the what do you think about TTL? I'm not a fan. What, do you, what about you? I haven't used it enough. To I'm know. not talking about you. I'm talking about people listening. <laughs> Damn it! Well, always ruins everything. Hey, I have to give my input. Anyway, you can connect with us on our Facebook group or through email at podcast at underredglow.com. Your comments just might make it to a future episode. As always, a big thank you to everyone for continuing to join us. All the love and support we receive from people liking us on Facebook, subscribing and rating us on your pet podcast platform of choice. And also a big thank you to our Patreon subscription supporters. We're starting at just a buck. You can get our shows early with our supporters only after show all without ads. Be sure to check out our other supporter tiers as well, which are geared towards bringing you along on our photography projects with great rewards. All of our links can be found in our show notes and also on www.underredglow.com. And now with episode 119 down, it's been an absolute pleasure spending this time with you. Please be sure to subscribe to Under Red Glow. And if you've earned your recommendation on the photographers of any skill level or process, we would certainly appreciate sharing this with them. Thank you. A big thank you to my co-host, Christine Milliker, and of course, everyone for listening. If you are listening on Patreon or our supporter page, stay tuned for the after show. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to visiting with you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.